Hit Breakfast Show with Tim and Jess. Let's be honest, we've been having lots of fun chatting about Sleep Week this mm-hmm. week on the radio. It's not officially Sleep Week, but it is to us. The Tim and Jess unofficial Sleep Week, yep. giving you permission to take those extra long naps, hit the snooze button a few more times. But we've been trying to delve a little bit deeper into what sleep is. Naps, sleepwalking, sleep talking, we're looking at all different areas. And joining us now on the phone to get into a little bit more deeper research is Professor Amy Jordan. She is the Director of the Sleep Laboratory and Professor in the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Good morning, Professor Amy Jordan. Good morning. Wow, that is one heck of a title, yeah. uh, Professor <laughs> Jordan. We just have blabbermouths <laughs> next to our email signature, so very impressive. What is it that you do at the University of Melbourne? So I both teach about sleep to undergrad students, but I also run a research laboratory where we conduct sleep experiments. So there's a variety of different ones, um, but in general, they involve healthy young university students coming in and volunteering to sleep in the laboratory. Um, And sometimes we ask a bunch of questionnaires. Sometimes we muck up their sleep. Um, Sometimes we just make measurements of, um, you know, what's happening in particular muscles, you know, whether they're snoring and things like that. So the only problem is it involves not getting sleep ourselves, which (laughs) is sometimes a problem. One of the questions that we all, Jess and I, because we talk about sleep a lot, because in radio we have what we believe to be quite unhealthy and unnatural sleeping habits. We basically have night shift hours. Yes. (laughs) And so, for example, both of us have differing sleeping habits throughout the day. Jess naps a little bit more and has always claimed that she's catching up her sleep deficit and that she's making up for hours lost at night. Is that something you can actually make up? Say if you only sleep for four hours at night, if you have a four-hour nap in the middle of the day, are you making that up, or is that just lost forever? Um, No, there is an ability to at least partially make up for for lost sleep. And, you know, back in the day, the siesta was, you know, extremely common. Um, You know, some cultures, obviously, in Spain and places that still... um, uh, still common that people will um, sleep in two bouts. So this idea that we have to get all of our sleep in one eight-hour chunk at night um, is probably, um, you know, a bit restrictive and it doesn't suit all people and all occupations. I'm so happy with That's that answer. <laughs> That's a shame. My big bold statement's coming in, down in a, in a big question heap. Yeah. Professor Amy, we've been talking a lot about sleep talking, sleep walking, all of those sorts of things. Have you got any tips for people that might have a real bit of a restless sleep? What can we be doing to make our sleep time a little bit more restful? So, I mean, sleepwalking and sleep talking actually typically occur during deep sleep. So they tend not to, to actually people make people feel like they've had a bad sleep. But obviously, lots of us will wake up and just know that we've tossed and turned a lot and, and not had good sleep. One of the best things that we can do for sleep is go to bed at approximately the same time and get up at approximately the same time each day. Now, of course, on the weekend, we all love a sleep in, so you can have an extra hour or two. But, you know, it makes common sense that if you sleep in till midday, of course, you're not going to want to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. But if you, you know, you sleep in both days of the weekend till lunchtime, of course, Sunday night, you're not going to be able to go to bed at, you know, a reasonable time in order to get your full amount of sleep. So, 
And then caffeine's another big factor, particularly in Melbourne, I think. Um, but uh, consumption even of, you know, uh, of chocolate or Coke or it doesn't have to be coffee, but having a coffee after sleep, even if you, you get to sleep, you know, and you feel like you've gone to sleep relatively quickly, caffeine can disturb your sleep for a long time and it's got a really long half-life. So that means it affects you for a long time. So even having one, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, for some people will cause disruption of their sleep at night. My boyfriend Akshay has a theory and he calls it his caffeine naps, Professor Amy. What do oh, you yeah. think what do you think about this theory? Because he will he does a lot of night shifts as well. And so what he does is before he goes to sleep, he has a coffee and then he'll go to straight sleep immediately and he says he wakes up feeling more refreshed because of the caffeine. Oh. Is yes. there any truth to that? Yeah, there, there has been some research looking at this, and and I'm sorry, but he actually has a point. No, <laughs> no, don't, no, we can edit that out. That's all right. Yeah, Jess. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, because it takes some time for caffeine to enter the bloodstream and start to to affect you, then you know if you're sleepy, you can have a shot of coffee as long as you get to sleep pretty quickly. You can sleep for 20 minutes, half an hour, and then when you wake up, the caffeine starts to kick in and so it can actually help you to get over that that sleepy feeling when you first wake up the other thing if you you know if you don't want to do that you can just make sure if you have a nap if you need to be functioning quickly after you wake up from your nap then just make sure it's a short nap so 20 to 30 minutes max if you sleep more like an hour or 90 minutes you're going to have that really deep sleep that you feel really mm. groggy when you wake up from that and so you know if you've pulled over on the side of the highway you do not want to be doing that because you wake up and you know 90 it might take you half an hour to really fully wake up properly paying attention to the duration of your nap and if you're you know if you're having a nap because you want to be awake in four hours time then having a long one might be fine but if you're having a, a quick nap because you want to do something in an hour's time and be not quite so sleepy then you want to make sure it's a, a short nap can we talk about the long-term effects of sleep in a way so some families my particular they might have maybe five hours is a good night's rest for them if they're waking up a lot or maybe only sleeping four hours in a row what are the long-term health effects of going, oh, my body only lets me sleep for five hours at a time. Like people have their own sleep habits. Say if you're only getting five to six when that Goldilocks zone is seven to nine, can that be quite detrimental down the line somewhere? It can be. And again, you might want to block your ears for hearing the answer <laughs> no. to this given your occupation. <laughs> um, but, uh, but shift workers, you know, tend to have poorer sleep and they've been known and recognised to have a lot of adverse consequences, higher rates of obesity, higher rates of cancer, higher rates of diabetes, higher rates of cardiovascular disease. So if you look in the general population, most adults, seven to nine hours is what, seven to eight hours is about what most people need. Some people might be fine with six hours and some people might be fine with nine, you know, really need nine hours for them to work optimally. But the vast majority of people who say, you know, I only get five hours of sleep and I'm fine, I function on that, their bodies do need more. They're just so used to it that they don't recognize that. Uh, and sometimes you can get this reverse. You have a big sleep and you actually feel worse because, yeah. you know, you're not used to it and your body's had all this deep sleep. And so you feel groggy when you wake up. And so I think it can be tricky, but, um, but certainly in the general population, 
people who habitually get short amounts of sleep do tend to um, to have adverse long-term health outcomes. Well, sorry I didn't hear that because I blocked my ears because I didn't <laughs> want to hear the hard truth. But uh, we really appreciate your time, Professor Amy Jordan. No problem. You're welcome. Tim and Jess on HIT.